May I be free, free from all the anger, hatred, ill will, animosity. May I develop love and goodwill, peace and harmony. Love and goodwill, peace and harmony. May all beings share my peace, share my harmony, share my merits, share my dharma. May all beings be happy, be peaceful, be liberated, be liberated. May I generate love, pure love, compassionate love. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Ms. Daria Rubetz with Meta Practice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life on Earth podcast. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Really, this episode is super special to me. You are about to meet Daria. We have a long relationship. She is a dear friend, as well as a yoga teacher, and she is also a meditation teacher. Daria used to teach at my yoga studio, Shanti Yoga Shala. We met actually prior to that, and you'll hear some of that story in this episode. She recently traveled to India for a 10-day Vipassana meditation retreat. She shares lots of revelations and her journey in India in this episode. Also, stick to the episode all the way and uh, find a comfortable spot towards the end of our conversation. We are giving you a huge treat today. You will get to meditate with Daria. Every week, we have a group of people, a group of us who gather and we sit together in Vipassana meditation. And through this episode, you will have a chance to experience that in a half an hour meditation with Daria that we are including at the end of this episode. So definitely stay with me, stay with us, and join the meditation. If you have somebody who can benefit from this episode, share this episode with them. As always, subscribe to the show. Leave us a great review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps me and my team to continue creating great content for you guys. Thank you for all of your support. I truly hope that everyone is doing amazing. It's always great to connect. If you have any um, communication that you want to talk to me about, if you want to su- have uh, suggestions for episodes, you can email Natalie at lifeonearthpodcast.com. I am open to hearing you. Also, if you want to work with me, go to nataliecraw.com. I do facilitate distant healing practices, distant healing sessions, and those are always really insightful. And we can really progress a lot and release things that no longer serve us, create space for a new level of your existence. Shanti Yoga Training School is offering virtual yoga teacher trainings, 300 hour and 200 hour. We have quite the extensive platform with that, there is also a personal coaching through live stream sessions. You can begin at any time. The sessions are recorded. You have access to all of it at your fingertips. 
This episode is brought to you by Shanti Yoga Training School. In this episode, we talk about the benefits of meditation. We talk about some tools, some techniques, and lots of insights so that you can navigate and experience deeper levels of meditation and also begin your practice so that you can enhance your life and so that meditation can serve you just as it has served and continues to benefit both Daria and I. If you want to join Daria's membership program, go to her website and check out her work, meditatewithdaria.com. Welcome to Life on Earth, The Peace Project, a podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature and ultimately love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa, to celebrate and encourage diversity, peace and global equality, one earthling at a time. Welcome to Life on Earth podcast. Hello, Daria Rubets. How are you? Hi, Natalie. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, thank you so much for coming on Life on Earth. I feel it's such a blessing to have you. I've known you for quite some time, and we have worked together on and off many times for during many years. So, you know, I love this connection that we have going on. Yes, same. You've been you've been a light in my life on many occasions, and uh, you're still my favorite yoga teacher out there. As you know, I practice with you every Friday. So, yeah, nothing has changed. We are progressing, but we're staying friends. We can, yeah, exactly. And you know, just to catch up, everyone, Life on Earth listeners, hi to everyone. By the way, our community, Daria has been such a, a beautiful an amazing person in my life. Her and I worked at a different yoga studio before uh, I had Shanti Yoga Shala. And then she worked, she taught classes. She worked as a teacher for Shanti Yoga Shala for many years. And then she left, she went to New York, she went to do other things. And then she came back to New Orleans. And we kind of, you know, in the midst of all that have always somehow kept in touch. Also, you're also a very dear friend of mine. So I am super happy to have you on the episode. And also today our focus is going to be on meditation because you are just saying, Daria, that you're practicing yoga with me on Fridays and we do it via Zoom online. And I have been practicing meditation with Daria and we have a group that we meet once a week. And Daria has been leading us in Vipassana. So I really want to talk about that and introduce you, but also letting everyone know right now that Daria, we have a huge gift for everyone today. We have a, a huge perk. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It is like a, 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 because <laughs> we, Daria, you're going to bring us through a 30 minutes Vipassana meditation. And I'm so excited about that and so thankful you know, and grateful that we will be doing this together. And that also for all of you Life on Earth listeners, if you're listening to this call, it was something that Daria and I, we spoke about this about a week ago or so after one of our meditations. And I said, you know, I really want our community to experience 
your teachings and your guidance and your energy, the transmission that you give us when you are our leader and our guide in meditation. Because to me, it's it's a very clear transmission and it's very precise, clean, and something that I really cherish in my life. So I wanted to share this with all of our listeners. So thank you. And thank you, Ned. Say this because I want them to understand also what we're doing here. So please, everyone, listen to the first part of the conversation that we'll have now. And then for the second part, we'll remind you again, but definitely stay for the meditation. And if you are driving, I will remind you at the end, you will have to stop it and get back to a place that you are, (laughs) (laughs) that you are more, you know, not driving so that you can sit and meditate with, (laughs) meditate with Daria, which will be quite the treat for you. Oh, thank you, Matt. So so anyways, thank you, Daria. And so what brought you, we mentioned already that you were teaching yoga for a while. And so why, what brought you, let's go back to even, you know, when you went to India now, which was when December or November? This last was in year? August, August of last, last year. year. So August, even less okay. than a year. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you went, why did you go there? Why meditation? What was the calling for you at that point? Being someone that you had already been doing yoga for many years, teaching yoga. By the way, you're also my my favorite restorative yoga teacher. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, lots of talents. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about that story, Daria, please. Okay. Okay. So yes, as you said, Nat, I've been practicing yoga since I was a teenager, and it's been many, many years. And I think one thing that yoga really teaches you is that your mind-body is the same, is one. I think that's the one of the main goals of yoga is to unite those two substances, right? The physical and the mental, and then the more yoga you practice, the more you realize that one does not exist we are without the other. And then I think I've either read somewhere or maybe it was just something that I came on my own that, yeah, practicing yoga and all those exercises and all the asanas is really amazing. It does beautiful things to your body. You're becoming flexible, you know, you're becoming strong. And that is all amazing because healthy body, healthy mind. However, I always thought, okay, you master all those asanas and what's the what's the progression here? You're getting more flexible, your body is getting stronger. What's next? And I think, like I said, I, maybe I read it somewhere or maybe it was just my own conclusion that the next step in yoga practice would be a meditation because the more physical exercises you do, you start to realize that you need to have that mind-body connection because you practice asanas and you always breathe. There is always that connection between your movement and your breath. And the meditation is essentially the same thing, but you use your body to sit still for extended periods of time and you work with your mind. Because for me, everything starts in the mind. Before you do any verbal or physical actions, you have to think about it. And your mind is usually where it all begins. So my goal really was to, I've been trying different meditation techniques since I was a teenager again and as I was practicing yoga, but I was really looking for something that would give me 
like a very solid, a very respectable method, preferably something that was very traditional, ancient, just like a yoga practice. You know, as we know, yoga has been around for over 5,000 years, if not longer, right? And then I came across Vipassana meditation, and that meditation has been around for over 2,500 years. And it is believed that this particular method of meditation was practiced by Buddha himself, by Buddha Shakyamuni, the one that got enlightened one, the one that we know in the Buddhism tradition. So yeah, obviously I got interested. And there are essentially two ways that people nowadays can learn Vipassana. So I got interested in the method that's been taught by Goenka, which is the teacher that's been He passed away, but he's been doing it for many, many years, and he basically institutionalized this method in particular as Vipassana Research Institute. And I found the center, they have global centers everywhere, but I found this... Gwenka Vipassana. Yes, 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 his method. So I was looking to where should I go, because there there are centers, meditation centers in the United States. I think there are around five of them, and they are all over the world. But it's been a dream of mine, as you know, for many, many, many years to go to India, to go to the source of where yoga was born. Buddhism was born in India as well. Buddha was, uh, he was born in India. Yeah, and I decided I have this interest in Buddhism and I really wanted to visit the birthplace of yoga. So India was a no-brainer. So I've decided to go to the center in the Himalayas, in the northern Himalayas, where Dalai Lama lives. And um, I stayed at the meditation center for 10 days, which is a typical course. And you participate in a silent silent meditation, practicing Vipassana. And that is the time when you really establish your technique, you establish your practice, you learn all the tools, you learn all the methods. It's pretty strict, I have to say. But honestly, you know, if you have a very good discipline, I feel like most of people who practice yoga seriously, they have a very good discipline because you it requires some effort and all the right things to get a little bit of progress in things that you practice. So I felt like I was ready. And um, yeah, it was a beautiful decision. I'm not afraid to say that it did change my life because I was looking for a change and I got I got what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, and so for people that are listening, uh, it's the 10-day Vipassana retreat meditation course that is all over, I believe, the globe, right? I know that Correct. in the United States, there are many centers. And for this one, when you come in, you you give all your belongings, you check in, your cell phone, your computer, all of your stuff. And it's just really you and you there, right? And the group. Yes, yes. So it's uh, because you said it's challenging and it's strict. So I just wanted everyone to have an idea. I mean, I have many friends who have gone and didn't even complete the I have many friends who have, (laughs) I know I have friends who have completed the 10 day course and even have gone multiple times, but I also have friends who haven't completed because it's quite common because it can be, like you said, it's can be a lot, but so I wanted you to give us an idea of somewhat of that process of when you check your belongings in and you go in and what happens. And I know that every center is a little different, but let's, let's say yours. 
You were in India. This is the home of the Dalai Lama, north of India, correct? Yes, yes. Where yes. were you again? So the place is called Haramshala. Dharamshala is the place where the other, this little village called Maklod Ganj. This is where Dalai Lama lives. And this is where his government, which has been exiled from uh, Tibet, from Tibet, that this is where they are located. So Dalai Lama has his main temple there. His residence is there. He gives the speeches unless he's traveling. All of his translations are going from that place. So yeah, it's very, very special. And a lot of monks live in the same area. And it's just a beautiful place just hidden away from all the big Indian cities, which are very loud and very polluted sometimes too and crowded. So it was just a beautiful area hidden in the hills and the mountains and most of the centers, you know, you'll be surprised that, but a lot of the centers actually are very, very similar. You know, they are different in size. You know, if you're looking for more private, a little bit more intimate experience, you go to a smaller center. But there are huge centers, even in India, where they can host up to a thousand people at the same time, I believe. So, yeah. And so yours was more smaller? Yes, mine was smaller. And there was a wait list. Usually, if you decide to go to one of the more popular centers, I want to say more established, usually there is a wait list. And believe it or not, it's all donation-based, all donation-based. And you'll be waitlisted for, you need to plan this ahead. You know, it's crazy because you sign up basically. How long before? Yeah, I started thinking about it maybe like four or five months ahead. And then I got waitlisted as well three months before I decided to go. And then I got off the waitlist because I was so persistent. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I needed, I need, I just needed it. You, I just needed yeah, it. You and were, usually... You were ready. You I were was determined. Ready. Yes. You were determined yes. and, and ready. I applied. Exactly. So I applied to even several centers, because either I think one was in Jaipur, which is a more city-oriented center, but this one was really a jam. And I really wanted, because of my interest in Buddhism, I, I knew that this was going to be perfect. And yeah, I got lucky. <laughs> yeah, you got, that's great. So, you know, there's also the Dalai Lama, I think he, when he's in India, he spends a lot of time in the north where you're saying, and also in the south. Exactly. But in the south, yep. too, in a place called Bailakupe. And I've actually spent a lot of time in Bailakupe. And it's a beautiful Buddhist monastery as well. And so I think that he kind of goes between those two places. But I just wanted yeah, to he travels a lot. mention yeah. that. Yeah. And it, But it's because it's one of the most incredible experiences I've had in my life was going to this monastery by La Coupe and spending some time there. And there's also a wait list if you actually want to sleep there and, you know, and commune with the monks and waking up at 3, 4 a.m. in the morning and hundreds of monks sitting and meditating. I mean, it's just the most incredible thing <laughs> it's life-changing you know i can imagine so yeah, yeah. yeah. so i'm so imagine. glad that you um you went there i know how special that is that's why i wanted to bring this up very special but back to very the center special. back to the center yeah so, so what happened so yeah you you check in you check in you come at the designated time and usually it's hidden somewhere far from the city and then you check in you check all the cell phones, computers. You're not allowed to have anything that you can write with. 
So if you have like a journal or a book, you check everything in. You have you're not allowed to have any food with you. So basically, you take only your personal stuff, a change of clothes, just the basics, you know, very simple, whatever you might need for length of 10 days. And I came in with a very open mind and I knew that I was not going to miss my cell phone. I was addicted, not addicted, but I was really, I had enough of my cell phones when I was working in New York. So I was ready to give, give that up for a while. And then internet, obviously, and connection to, you basically just disconnect from the outside world. And it is done on purpose, of course, because you spend those 10 days just reflecting and observing and focusing and working with yourself and the whole experience you spend as if you were by yourself, as if you were completely isolated from the world, from the people. Yes, you have someone who's staying right next to you, who's sitting right next to you. However, you practice the rules of noble silence. And that means that you do not speak to anyone. That means you do not make eye contact with anyone. That means no gestures, no, you know, looking at each other and making, trying to make some signs or trying to communicate. And um, for some people, it's more difficult than for others. For me, it was a piece of cake, to be honest, because it was just maybe I was ready for it. Maybe it's just something that I'm more open towards. It really depends. But I think regardless of your personal feelings towards it, I think everyone should experience it once in a while because it just opens up your mind. It just opens up. You start to realize the things that maybe you don't need that much. You know, maybe you are putting too much effort into something. And it's just, I think it's just an experience that everyone should at least once in their lifetime to experience because it's really, it just expands your horizons so much. Yeah, but also, you know, like you being a yogi and I think practicing yoga for so many years, the practice of dharana and the focus and the pratyahara, pratyahara turning the senses inward. And in yoga, even you get on your mat and you're in that focus, in that inner yes. work. I think that it really prepares the yogi for, for sure. what in yoga, for sure. we, the name is dhyana, which hence it's it is further along in the eight limbs of yoga, the seventh limb of yoga. And I think that makes a lot of sense when you think about it that way. Because as you were saying, for so many people, it's so challenging. But I feel like people who have really been doing the more classical styles of yoga, like you have, the more traditional ones, that really you can practice the drishti and the dharna and the pratyahara and you're on your mat each and every day, and you're really doing the work, I think it really brings you this deep state of awareness. And not to say that it will be easy and a piece of cake, but it definitely prepares you for deeper states of awareness and, you know, to drop into your meditation. But I want to pause real quick, just to let everyone know also that you are from Russia. Yes, I was born and raised in Russia. Yes, I have dual citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you come across yoga? I'm assuming in Russia, right? Because you said teenager. Yeah, I how started does that practicing. Happen? Yeah. You know, for me, I remember when I was maybe like 13 years old or something. And it was probably some, I'm, I'm really into music as well, like really different types of music. And I think it was one of the musician, musicians that I was uh, following at that time, maybe listening. And then he said that he was a Buddhist. And I was like, 
what is that? Let me look into that. And I started reading about it. And I was young, like very young, 13, 14, maybe. And the first thing I read somewhere was probably a book or something was this idea that if you worry about something right this moment, think about how long this worry is going to last and if it's going to matter to you, let's say, in a day, in a week, in a year. And then if you realize that this worry is going to pass away and you're not going to worry about it that much anymore in, when the time passes, is it really worth putting worry in this right now? <laughs> I don't know if it makes sense, but basically I read that and I was like, I love this. It was just an immediate connection to something, you know, that everything changes, that everything passes, and it doesn't really worth it spending so much energy into something negative, for example, that drains you if it's going to go away. So that was sort of the love at first sight with Buddhism. And I started uh, read more. I started not not like super. I was never really practicing it or anything. I was just kind of kept an open mind towards it, kept my interest. And then yoga was just, I was just looking for exercise. You know, I was looking to, I was always very active, but just going to like a gym, for example, never really attracted me, you know, and then, but I, I do like to stay active. I think I'm a type A personality. So you need to, you need to put that energy somewhere, right? Because it, it builds up and you need to release that energy. So I used to run and then yoga just came in as a physical exercise, you know, stretching. I love it. And then, yeah, so I think I originally started doing it just because it was a beautiful way to stay healthy and to stay fit and all that. But I also kind of like the pace of it. I like that there is an intellectual component to yoga. You know, I remember my first teacher was asking some sort of very philosophical questions at the beginning of the class. And, you know, I just loved it. You know, you come into exercise, but you're not just sweating it out. You also like give yourself some food for thought. And that was that was it for me, you know. And for me, I, I think I, I've been practicing since I was 17 years old. And that was it for me. I never really... You felt that connection <laughs> of body, mind, spirit, basically. Of course. You felt of that. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So what was the most challenging thing in the in this 10-day, if I were to ask you, in this 10-day Vipassana, what was the most challenging? I, I had a very clear realization, for example. You know, Nat, I'm a, I love tea. I mostly drink green tea. We have our tea practice yes. on Friday. So yeah, you know that. Yeah. So you are not, you at the center, they feed you, you know, they provide everything that you need. You just come in and you surrender. That's it. You surrender for 10 days. You have everything that you need to survive. You have all the basic all the basic accommodations are there. You have a bed to sleep. You have a blanket to cover yourself. You have a roof. You have food, a very basic, very simple food. And I was in India, so the food was very traditional. And it was my first time in India, probably day five. And I usually stay at like very nice hotels, <laughs> where they have a variety, but then all of the sudden you just exposed to this northern food of India, very traditional. And that was a shock. But not even that. I think the the biggest challenge was for me is that I really wanted to have a cup of green tea like, <laughs> before I go to that. <laughs> but I didn't have it. I didn't have it. 
And I remember I was sitting there and I thought to myself, I would give so much right now just for a cup of hot green tea. But then I started to look at it at a different angle and I thought to myself, you know, Daria, you're doing this for only 10 days and that's nothing. 10 days is a drop in the ocean when you look at your life. And I thought to myself, I'm ready to give up my green tea for 10 days and maybe try something else. Maybe try this, try to drink water instead and try just to put yourself outside of your box, outside of your comfort zone as much as you can. Just not to attach to the things that you love so much in life and just let them go. And then after that, I stick to water (laughs) (laughs) and that craving for green tea just went away. It was just gone. And I think that was the most challenging part for me. And I know it might sound like the first world world problems, but actually (laughs) when you, you know, when you live in a life like that, you know, when you live in the United States, for example, we have so many like necessities and we have our favorite things that we love and that we crave and then start to start to notice how you feel when those things are taken away from you. You know, you start you start realizing realizing all the attachment that you have. Yeah, and that's all. It's such a privilege to have these exactly. things in your life. But here exactly. I was thinking you were going to say something like the monkey mind or something like that, and it was tea, oh. <laughs> which is uh, okay. Yeah. That's not that's not yeah. that bad. How about the monkey yeah. mind? Did that come up for you? Anything with mind or no? You know from most people when I ask this question it's about the mind so but you were but again it it almost makes me think that it's also all this yoga that is so so enormous in your life previously that perhaps that has really set the tone that it wasn't or was it was there any point that the mind became sort of a thing or not or were you peaceful were you in equanimity I mean, I'm not going to say that I was peaceful for 10 hours a day for the 10 days <laughs> okay. straight because that's for, that's how yeah. long you sit, you know, still and you don't, you just, you just locked. But yeah, I mean, I think, well, I have to say I was definitely ready for it. And just like you said, my practice and I was definitely ready for it. And I, it's not like I was paying attention to how other, how others, what they were doing and but it wasn't a much of a struggle to be honest for you to be honest with you you know it it really wasn't and because i knew it was temporarily right i knew that i wanted that time it was very interesting to see how you're going to react and i think the instructions that were given by the teacher and you you sit there and you listen to the audio recordings that were done a long time ago by this by the teacher by goenka and they're the same no matter where you go in the world they're all the same and the schedule is the same the structure of the centers is the same it's very very uh, similar experience so the point is it doesn't really it doesn't really matter where in the world you go your experience is going to be identical regardless of the geography but yeah, you know, I think I was just ready for it, Matt. You and were to be ready. Honest, the, yeah, the monkey mind was there, but because I'm aware of it and because you were given all the tools to process and to observe it, it wasn't a much of a shock, to be honest, because I had some experience with yoga and with meditation, not to this extent, of course, because this is extreme. You know, you sit still for 10 hours a day. 
this is extreme, but I think I was just ready for it. And, you know, as much as I would like to have some story, how my lower back hurt and how miserable I was, I really wasn't, you know, <laughs> to be honest with you. And it was just such a, I was real, I was just in the moment. I was really in the moment and I was almost like making myself to stay there and be appreciative of this time because, I mean, what's not to be grateful for? You like in the Himalayas, you know, you are surrounded by this beautiful nature, you have food and it was just, you, you just, it's you against you, you know, sort to say. So I wasn't, my plan wasn't going to make myself miserable. I, I knew it was temporarily, I knew I'm going to go out and get my cup of green tea and all that. It's just, I was trying to stay present. Yeah. That's and it, it goes to show you how everybody is so different, you know, and how we as human beings, like we don't have the same experience and we can hear oftentimes it is said, oh, meditation can be so challenging and all these different things, which of course it can be. It doesn't mean it will always be. It doesn't sure. mean that at all. Because I think that you do get to a point that you begin to, perhaps it has to do with life choices or other practices, practicing yoga, going into nature, energy healing, I'm not sure. But you do get into times of your life that, you know, one can meditation becomes for the most part such a joy something that you really look forward to and that you can sit and drop no matter what you know you can have so much chaos in your life and there are times that even in the middle of all that chaos I can actually just sit and I can drop into that oasis of that meditation practice and it's such a blessing you know I see it as such a blessing yeah and and yet the next day maybe I will have one that the mind is all over the place too you know (laughs) it's totally it's totally random it probably will be and it's okay (laughs) it's totally (laughs) random I learned that as long as you're present and as long as you are aware of it it makes a huge difference Because if you are, you know, like they teach in Vipassana, I keep repeating this um, when we do the group sessions online, it's nothing external can cause you your misery or suffering. It's just your reaction. Whatever is happening outside, we all perceive it differently. You know, what's good for one could be the worst case scenario for the other person. But it's all about your perception and your reaction to it. And you only, you don't have... You can't control the outside, but you can control your reaction. And that is exactly what any type of meditation does for me, not only Vipassana, because there are so many different techniques. And it's wrong to say that one is right and the other one is wrong. All these practices for me, they essentially teach you the same thing. It's just different methods for different people. Yeah, I That's mean, and it. I think that they, that too is so similar to yoga, right? Because there's so many, even when you look at Hatha yoga, there's so many different styles of Hatha yoga out there. That's right. And, yeah, correct. And yeah. yet we don't really know. It's not like there is one that's the better than the other. There just depends for who, when, and where, and what, you know, and... It's, it's all good. So you come back from this, you go through this, you, you had, do you feel like you had revelations? Do you feel like something shifted for you? 
Of course, so many times. And it's, you know, and it happened. Well, you don't, there is a reason why you don't talk to anyone during this experience. First, you don't want to share your experience because, well, we all go through different stages in life where everyone is processing something differently. You know, someone, some people go there to deal with loss, with pain, with suffering, you know, maybe like a death in the family or loss of significant other or something like that. And a lot of people go there to process it. And then there is a reason why you don't share your experience while you in this experience, because there is no point in sharing because everyone, first of all, experiencing this differently. And then if someone is going to tell you, oh, yesterday I had such a great day meditating. And then for you, for example, you were suffering yesterday, maybe like your back hurt so much yesterday and you just had the worst day meditating. That's going to plant the seed of doubt. You know, you start you start doubting. Am I doing this right? What am I doing wrong? Why? Why don't I enjoy this? And the point of not sharing is that you just experience this by very observing personal experience. exactly you yes not only you and honestly after the whole experience was over you know I met a lot of people there and we became friends and everyone started sharing and I was like your shifts your discoveries didn't make any sense to me because they were yours you know and I, di- I didn't want to share mine because First of all, no one cares, to be honest. (laughs) And then the second one is that my discoveries are not going to be of any value to you. To anybody else. Yeah, and it's it's almost like pointless. Yeah, there are are experiences in life that are worth sharing, but this particular one, it's just, it's very personal, you know. And um, if you want to share, of course you can. But I honestly, I didn't found a lot of similarities in the discoveries that were that happened maybe some more general ones but like i said everyone goes there for a different reason and we're all in a different stage it makes so much sense to me everything that you're saying (laughs) so when you when you come back you 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 know you we talked and you said this was i think i don't remember if it was right before the pandemic hit or maybe like when it was beginning and you said, I really feel inspired to share. I really, now you have a meditation website. Can you tell everyone the, the name of your website already so we get that in for sure? Yeah, so it's meditatewithdaria.com and it's meditate with Daria, just one word, dot com. Yes, and I have a, it's very simple website. It's just the, the sole purpose of it is just to have people register for our group sessions online every Thursday at noon central time we get together because when you meditate in a group is a very very powerful experience you know I found it to be very intimidating to meditate for the entire hour it's a big commitment you know especially for someone who maybe does not have a lot of experience with meditation it's very intimidating and sometimes it's very you know difficult to sit there for the whole hour by yourself and try to concentrate and stay focused it's very difficult you're not the only one who's who's thinking this is a little too much so but doing this with others sharing it with others and doing it in a group 
it makes a whole so, difference because you know yeah what was the calling what was the calling for you to develop this website and to come back from this thing and now you have a very consistent you know vipassana meditation and you feel okay i want to extend this to the world why well we found ourselves right it was beginning of march i believe when Everyone went under a lockdown and um, there was a lot of emotions. Everyone was scared. Everyone was panicking. And I was meditating. That's a part of my daily routine nowadays. Sometimes I skip, but I try not to. And I found myself going through a lot of emotions as well, just like everybody else. And I was just trying to keep myself grounded. And I remember I woke up one day and I'm thinking, well, what if I want to go and learn meditation technique right now, but I can't because all the meditation centers are closed. You can travel, you can go anywhere, you are staying at home. And I have this technique. I know it. I've been through it. I know what to say. I know how to guide people because I lived through it. And after that, it was a matter of me putting the website together. I think it took me like two or three days to put that together and I just, I, I, this was something, and remember like Nat, we were talking about this. This is something that I can not, not do, you know, it was just something that I was like, I have to share this. And if, even if one person is going to benefit from it, even if I will reach out one person who is going to benefit through it and I can help someone, that's going to be enough for me. I just have this technique that I would like to share and it's just something that I have to do. And it was just a matter of like throwing the website together and sharing, spreading the word. And that was it. <laughs> I'm so happy that you are. I mean, I'm so, you know, appreciative that you are doing this because it's really enhanced my life. We have a group. Obviously, people can meditate by themselves. And I do. But like you said, there's so much power in getting a group together and sitting together for a meditation practice is just so wonderful. And the fact that we can do it online from the comfort of your home and that you can still have this community feel via Zoom. I mean, I really, to me, this is like exactly where I am right now. And it's perfect for me at this moment in my life. And to be able to have access to something like that, so practical and so doable it's just, I'm, I'm really grateful for. But I wanted to also bring up with Shanti Yoga Training School, when somebody enrolls in the school, whether it's the 200-hour program or the 300-hour, my in the welcome email, and I stated before in the info sessions, meditation is a requirement. Yoga practice is a requirement. Yoga asana, learning yoga on and off the mat, and meditation is a requirement. And I guide people so that they can start their own individual meditation practice. And I really almost like ask them to give me an oath of truth that they will meditate, you know, while they're in the program. And so with that said, I get a lot of questions, especially from people who haven't meditated before. So I would like to do something here if you're open to it, like a little role play. Are you ready? Can I yeah. do this with yes. you? Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a person who has never meditated before. And I have some questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I have some questions for Meditate with Daria, okay? All right. Question, hello. Hello, Miss Daria. <laughs> Question number one is I have never meditated before. So I am really 
stressed out because I don't know if I can do this. Is meditation that complicated? I feel like I'm not going to be able to sit by myself with my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Well, meditation is not complicated. You should be patient with yourself and give yourself maybe five, 10 minutes a day. I think you can allot this much time for yourself in your daily life. And just imagine like this is your time where you're going to face your fears and you're going to face your impatience and you're going to sit there with yourself and just try to observe what comes up. Don't have any expectations to how long you'll be able to sit still. Don't have any expectations on what thoughts are going to arise because we cannot cancel the thoughts. We're thinking human beings, homo sapiens. So we're always going to think. The goal of meditation is not to cancel the thoughts. The goal of meditation is just to try to observe and try to stay still and try to realize that whatever is coming up in your mind is not necessarily the reality of it. So take five or 10 minutes in your day, preferably in the morning, or if you're a night person at night before you go to sleep, and just sit there and see what comes up. See what comes up and see how you react to it. If negative thought is going to come up, see how you react to it. See if you start to generate negativity. And if you do, just notice it. And if you start to think about something pleasant, notice it and see what type of reaction your body or your mind generates. I think that is already meditation. So if my mind doesn't stop and a lot of thoughts come through, is that okay? Should I just sit there and breathe? What do I do about that? That is normal. That is is absolutely normal. Your thoughts are going to be coming up. You're going to have a lot of them. Your mind is going to jump from just like a monkey. It's going to jump from one branch to another, and then you're going to end up being somewhere so far away from your originalist started. And then the moment you caught yourself that your mind has drifted away, you just realize that, you become aware, and then you go back to your breathing. Yeah, breath is usually where everything starts, and you constantly bring your awareness back to your breath. And that is meditation. That's it. Do I have to meditate every day? Well, of course, you don't have to do anything, you know, because you don't have to do anything. But if you care about having, well, if you want the result, I'm going to say this. If you want the result, you have to put an effort because I don't believe in magic. Even with yoga, just like with everything else, if you want to be good at something, you have to put an effort. That's how it worked for me, at least in my life. I don't know. Nothing really just drops on you out of nowhere. I don't know. Maybe like (laughs) someone is more lucky, but I had to work for everything. So, and it's the same way here, you know, with yoga practice, you have to be persistent. You know, you have to put the right effort. And the same here, if you feel like you are happy in your everyday life and you don't experience any major issues. Well, it could be that you first, you can just not be aware of it. But then the second, if you feel like your mind affects you too little too much, or you feel like there's maybe enough stress, too much stress in your life. Well, that's something to think about, right? And if you want to get successful, if you want to become, if you want to get good at something, you have to put the effort. 
So you don't have to meditate every day. But if you want to see the results, sometimes you just have to surrender, just like I did, come into this 10-day course and be like, checking in (laughs) i'm checking in and i'm just you have to trust you have to trust the process and trust the method that's been around for so 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 long and it helped out so many people sometimes you just have to put the effort and trust the process and just give in and surrender and just follow the rules and you'll be successful yeah, I love that. You know, in meditation, <laughs> in meditation, you become the observer of the mind. I often tell my students, if the thoughts arise, observe them, don't get too attached, let them pass. Just everything that you just said, keep breathing, stay with it, trying to remain in that equanimity, neutral point, and just do it. Like Dara is saying, just do it every day. You do. Every day you do. (laughs) And, you know, and if you can't do every day, then, you know, do the best you can until you know better, as Maya Angelou says. Yes. And when you can do better or when you know better, then you do better. If you can do it every other day, that's great. And if you can do it every day, then then do it every day. But, yeah, thank you for answering these questions, they come up a lot. And I think that it's great to hear you talk about it because people can become very judgmental of their own selves. You know, I'm saying we can be very hard. We can be very hard on ourselves, like to, um, with everything. And just because you think you're not quote unquote good, whatever that means, because I don't even know what that means, like to be good at meditation. You just med. It just is. It's not like you're good at it or not. You just it just meditation is meditation. You just do it. it there's not a lot of questioning about it. You just you just do it. It's, it's got to become a part of your life, just like brushing your teeth, just like going to the groceries, and just like everything else. And one thing, Daria, that you mentioned right now about the thoughts and being really curious whether. What's this negativity coming from? But let's say even if you don't have that, one thing I wanted to bring up is that I find it so interesting how so many artists, writers, musicians, you know, and even people like Einstein or Tesla, they would sit in meditation, these great minds to receive information, to open, to create space I don't want to say like to create space, you know, there's a beautiful say, it says, prayer is how you speak to God and meditation is how you listen. And I love this idea because I think you and I talked about this too, like when we have a tough question or something that we have to make a big decision. And oftentimes nowadays I'll say, I have, I just got to sit with it for a bit. You know what I mean? Like I got to sit and just be completely neutral and open space and sit. And sometimes with a 30 minute meditation or an hour, whatever it is that I can afford that day, literally, oh my God, I can't even explain. Like I'll get all my answers or I'll get out of it. And I'm like in the knowing, I feel good about it. It's so magical in a way, you know? I know, I know. Yeah. But I also think that, you know, I, 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 this is exactly how I make decisions nowadays, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. If I have to, if I, if I'm just struggling between, you know, this or that, I just sit 
and then the answer comes. But I also think that maybe for you and I, it's a little different. You know, for someone who is like new to this, you just need, it takes much more effort. And then for someone like that, I think you just have to be patient with yourself. And at the end of the day, loving, you know, loving to yourself, because if you're going to start judging yourself for having thoughts, you're going to be working against yourself because you're going to be getting angry at something that you genuinely want to change. And that's that's already sort of counterproductive in a way. So yeah, you just have to be patient and give yourself more time and just have an open mind and sometimes just put the right effort, have the believe in it and surrender and see what happens see what happens yeah and give it the chance stay with it like daria says for a while surrender to it because that is the process and you know by doing that you will you will see what's on the other side this idea of instant gratification that we have in our western society so often is not reality you know it's not exactly what i should say it's not a sustainable reality maybe you'll do something and you get instant gratification for a tiny little bit of time but what dar and i are talking about here is a very constant it's no beginning no end is eternal gratification which is is something that you earn over time it's exactly it's, you know it's yeah. just but um okay so you that are listening to this podcast do yourself a huge favor and a big treat and go into daria's website and look at the membership program join it we don't have to go into what it is right now they'll go in and they'll look at all of that but you know, you guys join it. It's very affordable. It is, you're giving so much for what you're asking in return, Daria. It's just so, such a gift to everyone that you really, I'm going to invite all of our community and you guys, I mean, I'm doing it to go in it and check it out. And I also want to point something out, which I said in the beginning of the episode, but I think this is really important. You, Daria, you you are a very clear channel. And I say this, you know, from an experience of someone who, as you know, have been doing yoga for many years, traveling and looking for people and guides everywhere. I have a tribe of mentors. I'm very picky with who I allow to work with me in my energy field whether it's, you know, there's all of these practices, whether it's yoga or meditation or energy healing or other stuff too, right? I mean, there's a list, acupuncture, massage, there's a transmission, there's an energetic transmission. And so in a sense, in looking at it from that perspective, you are a channel that with this transmission. And I think that one of the things I love about sitting with you in meditation and really any of your offerings, including the yoga that you teach or the lectures that you give, you know, it's really the essence of you, who you are, Daria, that comes through so clean and so precise, you know, vigilant as you use the word sometimes. <laughs> see, I'm your student too. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, there's a real beauty in that. And the transmission to me is huge to the point that if I have somebody that has been doing this for, you know, however long, but that I don't feel that transmission is in alignment with me, I will 
respectfully not join that program. Because to me, it's yes, it's also the method. It's also the experience, but primarily is who am I getting this teachings from? And, you know, that is why also I find that when you find people like that, and I I definitely work with some really amazing people in the healing world, it's a gem. It's something to be cherished, to be nourished, and to be kept. And so I am sharing you essentially, you know, with our community, and I hope that they too can find, you know, how, how much of a gift that is to their life as it has been for mine. So... I wanted to tell you that. <laughs> Thank you, Nat. You're very kind to me. <laughs> very kind. It's true. Um, well, you know, okay, so tell us before we go into the, I know we're going to go into a half an hour, but I wanted you to maybe even recite the meta and tell us a little bit about the meta and then what we're going to do with you in the practice and how we're going to end it. So, yes, I'll take you. So the 30 minutes that we're going to do is going to include I think three steps. Um, the first one, we usually start each of the sittings, the hour sittings are starting with Anapana practice, which is just the breathing exercise. It's nothing, nothing super complicated, nothing too sophisticated. It's just observance of breath. Then we go into observance of sensations, which is the connection to your mind and body. And that's the primarily part of the meditation practice. And then we usually finish up the seating with the metta practice. And the metta practice is the very old, traditional and ancient meditation technique that is the technique of compassionate love. And I know it sounds very sort of cliche, but the idea is that you you connect into yourself and you're experiencing all these changes and you sit there in observance and then hopefully you're getting something out of it. But then you want to keep those benefits to yourself, not only to yourself, you also want to share it with others because if you know something good, you want to share it, right? It, you multiply it. And then by sharing it and sending it out to the world, you multiply it. So the metta practice is the usually the closing part of the meditation seating. And that's when we I'll walk you through it. It's a very short speech that I say. And you just sit there and you sort of reflect on the words that I say. And it's the, and I, I think, I believe, as far as I know, there are different words that everyone is saying during metta practice. The one that I'm saying is coming strictly directly from Goenka. That's how he teaches it. Um, usually I listen, when I practice with my group, with my institute, that's his recording, his words, and I just repeat them word by word back to you. So that's it. It's very short, and it's sort of like the closing session to every meditation seating. Yeah. Okay. So what do we need to prepare for meditation for someone that's listening? So make sure that you have a quiet space. You don't need a lot of space, just a quiet room where you will not be disturbed, where you'll be able to sit in peace with yourself for the next 30 minutes. Very, very important to have a very comfortable seat for yourself. I cannot stress this enough because very often you think that this is your mind and it's actually your body, which is interconnected. And you just have to make sure that you're not making it more complicated for yourself than it already is. So make sure you have a comfortable seating. And for that, I recommend, I usually like to sit on the floor. 
by the wall. You need to have a wall behind you if you like it. You can have a couple of pillows to support your sits. And then make sure that your knees are lower than your seat because when you sit for, well, 50 minutes in this case, you don't want to add any extra pressure for your, for your knees. So make sure you're comfortable. You can have your knees crossed. You can have your knees, your legs straight. You can also just sit in a chair or on a sofa. The one thing I do not recommend is to sit on your bed with your knees crossed because that's going to add pressure to your knees. You want to have your seat higher than your knees because that's going to take the pressure off. And if you have any back issues, you want to lean against the wall, that is totally fine. And you can change your positions throughout the meditation. If it's getting super uncomfortable to you, you can go ahead and change that. As you're getting more advanced, there is a practice of strong determination where you don't move, but we're not going to get there yet. It takes it takes a lot of mental strength and a lot of physical strength, I feel, like not to move. So we're not going to get there. I'll offer it, of course, if you want to experience and experiment with this, but it's definitely not going to be a requirement for today. Okay, well, thank you. And we will then very shortly begin our 30 minutes meditation practice. Okay, so we're going to start. Make sure that you sit comfortably and you have a comfortable sitting position, whatever you might find it, maybe sitting on the floor. You can sit on top of the pillows and have a wall behind you in case you want to lean against the wall. Have your knees either crossed or have your legs straight in front of you. You can also sit on a chair. Make sure you find a very comfortable position for yourself. They might change as day to day. So sit comfortably in any posture that suits you. Keep your back and your neck straight. Keep your eyes gently closed. If you wear glasses, you can take your glasses off during meditation. Keep your mouth gently closed. And bring your entire attention to the area at the entrance of the nostrils. The area at the entrance of the nostrils. Remain aware of every breath going in and every breath coming out. Natural breath. Normal breath. As it is as it is. If your breath is long, it is long. 
If your breath is short, it is short. If it's coming through right nostril, it's coming through right nostril. It's going through left nostril. It's going through left nostril. It's going through both nostrils. It's going through both nostrils. Just remain aware. Do nothing. Just remain aware. The moment you realize that your mind has drifted away, you don't judge or criticize yourself. You simply bring your awareness back to the area at the entrance of the nostrils. And you stay with your breath for the entire length of your inhalation entire length of your exhalation. Natural breath. Pure breath. Nothing but breath. Remain alert, attentive, vigilant. Constantly aware of the incoming breath and outgoing breath. like a gatekeeper, like a watchman, observing your every inhalation and every exhalation.
constantly bringing your awareness back to the sound of your breath. No matter how many times you need to bring your awareness back to the area of the nostrils. You don't punish yourself for having a mind that has drifted away. You're not getting impatient with yourself. Just remain aware. Just remain aware. Stay with your breath for the entire length of your inhalation and entire length of your exhalation. Keep your breath natural. Very pure breath. No effort. Do nothing. Just remain aware. Alert. Attentive, vigilant, remain alert, remain attentive, remain vigilant. And now very gently, when you're ready, you're going to shift your awareness to the crown of your head. We're gonna start working with sensations in the body, staying on the surface of your body and scanning your body moving from head to feet and then feet to hand, observing every single small area on the surface of your body. And just observing the sensations that go into manifest themselves 
on the surface of your body. That sensation can be anything. The physical sensation of heat, maybe cold. The physical sensation of itching or pulsing. Maybe you'll feel like ants are crawling on your skin and you want to scratch something. Maybe you'll start to feel vibrations somewhere on the surface of your body. If it's a covered area, you may feel the touch of cloth. If it's uncovered area, you may feel the touch of air. So simply stay aware of any sensation I'd experience as we're starting to scan the body from the crown to your feet. So go ahead and scan your head, working very patiently and very diligently, not skipping a single small area on the surface of your body. Try to stay away from visual, visualization. Don't look for anything that's not there. And if you don't feel any sensation at any particular part of the body, that's totally okay. You can just skip that area and keep going. But keep moving. So go ahead and start scanning your head. Move your awareness to your face. Scan your forehead. Moving down your cheeks and then your chin. Scan your neck. Then move down to your shoulders. We're going to start scanning your right side and then your left side to keep it a little simple for now. So go ahead and scan your right shoulder and observe any sensations. Maybe you feel heaviness in the shoulder. Maybe you feel the heaviness of your arm. Maybe you feel the lightness. Go ahead and scan your right elbow. Moving down your right wrist and your right hand down to your fingertips. Move over to your left side, your left shoulder.
any sensations, whatever manifests itself on the surface of your body. No visualization, no verbalization. We're trying to stay present and observe reality as it is. Go ahead and scan your left elbow, moving down your left wrist, your left hand down to your fingertips. Scan your chest. Whatever it is you experience, whatever it is you feel the sensation is, don't doubt yourself. Just notice it and move on. But try not to visualize anything. Stay present. Scan your back from your neck, going down. Don't skip a single small area, inch by inch, piece by piece. Whether you feel the pain in the lower back, it's a very strong sensation. Just observe it. Try not to react. And shift your awareness to your right hip, your right thigh, your right knee, your right shin, your right foot, down to your toes. Moving over to your left side, your left hip, your left thigh, left knee, your left ankle, your left foot down to your toes. If you feel numb in your legs, that's a very strong sensation. So if you can observe that sensation without reacting to it. Every sensation that you experience is when your mental and physical matter coming together and they produce a sensation. Sensations are always there. It's only a question of how sharp your brain is to recognize them. So most of the times we're not aware of the sensations. However, the sensation is a direct reaction to your thought. You can have a pleasant or unpleasant sensation. It's going to be a reaction to your pleasant unpleasant thought. So by staying present, by staying 
non-reactive by tr trying and learning to stay equanimous towards those sensations. You learn how to observe reality as it is. And you become more in control of your reactions, of your thoughts. So now we're gonna move from your feet up towards the crown of your head. So go ahead and scan your left side, your left foot, your left leg, left hip, and then your right foot, your right leg, your right hip. Scan the front of your body, moving up from the hips up towards your chest. Scan your back, observing any sensations, an itching, pulsing, pain, numbness, heaviness, lightness, whatever it is. Try to stay equanimous and observe one characteristic of all the sensations that we experience. As they arise and then, then pass away. They arise and then they pass away. No sensation is permanent. And you go ahead and you scan your left arm, moving from your fingertips up towards your shoulder. And then your right arm moving up piece by piece, inch by inch. And then your neck, your face, your scalp, and then your entire head. When you came back to the crown of your head, and then you just keep going, continue scanning your body, moving in any pace, moving at any pace, and in any order that you prefer. Either scanning right side first and then left side, you can even go ahead and scan both sides simultaneously if it's not overwhelming. But as you're scanning your body, observe your sensations and notice one common thing. Every sensation arises and then passes away. And when you stay observant and stay non-reactive, you experience the law of nature, the law of impermanence. 
In Vipassana, in Vipassana tradition, we call this anicca. Nothing is permanent. So as you keep observing your sensations, moving from head to feet and then feet to head, you're experiencing the law of nature, the law of impermanence, as each sensation bears the same characteristic of arising and then passing away, arising and passing away. So do one more scan at your own pace, starting from the crown of your head. And keep observing those sensations. You're developing your equanimity towards anything happens on the surface of your body. You try not to react with clinging or craving towards any pleasant sensation. And you try not to react with aversion towards any unpleasant sensation. Keeping in mind that anything that's happening on the surface of your body is temporary and it's going to go away. And by staying equanimous, you're strengthening your understanding of the law of nature, the impermanence of everything. So keep moving. And when you realize that your mind has drifted away, which will happen, you're not judging, not criticizing yourself, you're simply bringing your awareness back to where you left off and you start over, working very patiently, very diligently and very consistently.
keep moving, keep moving. Moving your awareness from head to feet and feet to head. It's not about how fast you do the scans. It's not about how many scans you do per sitting. It's about strengthening your equanimity and understanding of the law of nature, law of impermanence, anicca. Now go ahead and finish your scan. Come back to the crown of your head. And now you can go ahead and relax yourself. Maybe lean against the wall that is behind you. And you can even go ahead and lie down on the floor can relax your back, relax your neck, make yourself comfortable. As we're going to close our practice with metta, the practice of compassionate love. When we wanna share the wisdom with others, share our love and merits with others. May I be free, free from all the anger, hatred, ill will, animosity. May I develop love and goodwill, peace and harmony, love and goodwill, peace and harmony. May all beings share my peace, Share my harmony, share my merits, share my dharma. May all beings be happy, be peaceful, be liberated, be liberated. May I generate love, pure love compassionate love.